brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Watch Nation. It's the Trash Man, and this is your fantasy fallout for week eight going into week nine. You need to take into account, as I'm reading this, and as you're reading it on the website, that the trade deadline is tomorrow, so a lot of things might change before then. But I'm working off of what we got to go with right now, so let's start with the first game it was the Dolphins at the Texans on Thursday night Dolphins lost this one 23 to 34 the big news here is Devontae Parker in her sixth catch 134 yard day before Thursday evening Parker was trade bait who lost his way as a Dolphin it seemed after the game he's become indispensable to his team and possibly to his fantasy owners Kenny Stills won't be out for long, but Albert Wilson will be. And a performance like this puts Parker back in the starting mix. The Dolphins don't get another tough secondary for four weeks or so, so now is the time to see what Parker is made of. Kenyon Drake and Frank Gore had the same number of carries, 12, and almost the exact same yardage on the ground, 58 and 53 yards. But Drake was more of an asset in the passing game and scored two touchdowns to Gore's zero. They'll still be used fairly evenly, but Drake is more explosive and seems to be on the rise in the Dolphins' backfield. He's someone to trade for while you still can. On the other side of the ball, Will Fuller is out for the season with a torn ACL, making Kiki QT a must-own player, even if he's not ready to go this week. Tight end Jordan Thomas, four receptions, 29 yards, and two touchdowns. Filling as the third receiver with Fuller, Hobble, and Ryan Griffin out with illness. And he's a viable option this week for a pass catcher, needy Texans offense. Alfred Blue had 15 carries to Lamar Miller's 18, but Miller was running like a man possessed with a 7.4 yard per carry average, while Blue managed a measly 2.8 yards per carry. If you own blue, he can be dropped for a soon-to-be-returning Deontay Foreman. On to the next game. We have the Eagles at the Jaguars in London. Eagles won this one 24-18. Undrafted free agent Josh Adams was the Eagles' best rusher on Sunday morning with 61 yards on nine carries. I'm not sure if Corey Clement isn't healthy or just doesn't have his edge anymore, but Adams needs to be added where you can put him. A big back with surprising speed and agility. 
Adams doesn't have to come with the field for third downs. Jordan Matthews had four receptions for 93 yards and topped receiving for the Eagles in this one, but don't go chasing rainbows. He had a goose egg in the previous week and 26 yards in the week prior to that. You know, he'll have games like this occasionally, but I'm not rushing to the waiver wire to pick him up. On the other side of the ball, you know your running game is in bad shape when Blake Bortles is your leading rusher, but that's exactly what happened for the Jaguars on Sunday. Bortles had 47 yards. Maybe it was the weirdness of playing in a place where the term football refers to an entirely different sport, but neither Carlos Hyde, who had six carries for 11 yards, nor TJ Yeldon, who had two carries for seven yards, did anything for your fantasy team on the ground in London. Yeldon did lead the Jags in receiving eight receptions for 43 yards, so maybe that's telling as to who is the guy you'd rather own right now. Dante Moncrief. Four receptions for 54 yards. So he had more yardage than Yellen, but not as many receptions. It is emerging as the top dog candidate in Jacksonville as far as receiving goes. But that's not a particularly valuable position to hold these days. The Jags do get any this week, so he's not a bad flex play in that one. And on to the next game. The Broncos at the Chiefs. Broncos lost this one 23-30. Cortland Sutton had three receptions for seven, eight yards and led the Broncos in receiving this week. He still has yet to top three catches in a game, so his floor is low, but he's someone to target on waivers that there's a good chance either Emmanuel Sanders or Demarius Thomas gets traded by the trade deadline. Devontae Booker had a solid game in Royce Freeman's absence. He had 101 yards on 13 touches. Freeman could be back this week, but Booker is worth holding on to or picking up in the case that he isn't ready to return. On the other side of the ball, not much out of the ordinary for the Chiefs. I don't tend to talk about, you know, the things that we're used to seeing from week to week in the fallout as, you know, that's, it's pretty rope. But just when you thought it was safe to drop Sammy Watkins, he goes and puts up 107 yards and two touchdowns on eight receptions. Tyreek Hill injured his groin in the fourth quarter, so Watkins could be in for another big one this week. Chris Conley also sees a bump if he'll miss his time. Conley's worth adding as a potentially viable part of KC's Week 9 offense. This is Alex Dunlap with Roster Watch. Do you want more of the Roster Watch podcast? Well, now you can have it. You can hear from me, you can hear from Byron Lambert, you can hear from our guests and the Trash Man as you're listening to right now uh, on the Roster Watch Pro podcast, which is now available for pro subscribers. All you have to do is sign up for a pro membership at rosterwatch.com. You'll get access to all of our pro podcasts as well as all of our tools. And it's like three podcasts a week in season, sometimes more. Um, you get the Waiver Wire podcast on Tuesdays to help you set your waivers. You get Byron's legendary weekly trade cast uh, to help with all of your trades and talking over game theory and fantasy football. Also, the weekly DFS breakdown pod that Byron and I do, breaking down the whole main slate on DraftKings and on FanDuel. And with the pro membership at Rosterwatch, you get so much than just the podcasts. You get the tools, the matchup tool, the snap counts, touches, targets, touchdown dependency. Also, all the DFS cheat sheets, the Hyper DFS professional lineup generator, and so much more. We are a nation. Join us at rosterwatch.com. On to the next game. Browns at the Steelers. Browns just fired their coach, by the way. Hugh Jackson is no more the coach of the Cleveland Browns. Greg Williams is the interim coach. But we'll see what happens in the near future. Just in case you thought Duke Johnson would benefit from the absence of Carlos Hyde, he hasn't. 
He had four touches and 16 yards. I'd say he's droppable in most formats. But with the new news that Hugh Jackson is gone, I don't know. Maybe they get him more involved. I'm not too bullish on him, though. Antonio Callaway has been up and down this season, but managed to score in Week 8 against the Steelers. He was second on the team in targets with six behind Jarvis Landry, who had 12. And though I wouldn't normally endorse picking him up, knowing his recent past, he makes for a sneaky upside play against the Chiefs this week. They're going to have to throw the ball. On the other side, not really much to comment on on the Steelers' end, other than another week, another no-show for Le'Veon Bell. It's now suggested he'll return this week after the trade deadline, but he could sit out till Week 10. If you've held on to James Conner this long, another week won't hurt. On to the next game, Buccaneers at Bengals. Buccaneers lost this one 34-37. Ryan Fitzpatrick almost brought the Bucs back against the Bengals, going 11-15 for 194 yards and two touchdowns after Jameis Winston imploded, throwing four interceptions over the first half. He did throw a touchdown, though. As of this afternoon, Fitz has been named the starter for Week 9, so stream him if you need him. Peyton Barber had 19 touches and 85 yards and a touchdown. He played well and well ahead of Ronald Jones in this one. And now that Jones' hamstring is injured, Barber's a must-hold or add. I was able to pick him up this past week. Jacquez Rogers is next up behind Barber. Adam Humphreys. Seven receptions for 76 yards. He remains viable in PPR leagues despite the fantasy world's unwillingness to give him his due. He could see a drop in targets since Winston has lost his starting job, but that's yet to be seen. Tyler Boyd dispelled rumors of his demise in Week 8, posting a nine-reception, 138-yard, one-touchdown line on Sunday. He's proven to be more inconsistent than we'd like, but he shouldn't be dropped in any format. Tight end C.J. Uzoma injured his shoulder early on Sunday and was a non-factor from that point on. Recorded zero receptions on the day. I doubt he'll miss time, but that was a disheartening performance against arguably the best tight end matchup he'll see this season. And moving on to the next game, the Jets at the Bears. Jets lost this one 10-24. Jets couldn't get anything going on offense against the stalwart Bears defense, but tight end Chris Herndon did score for the third straight week. With few healthy pass-catching options in New York, he can be streamed until further notice. No Jet offensive player did much outside of Deontay Burnett, who, right, Um, who had four catches for 61 yards, but Trenton Cannon may have missed his shot as Elijah McGuire returns this week after being out the entire season up to this point. McGuire deserves to be added if you need RB help. On the other side of the ball, no word yet on whether Allen Robinson's groin injury will keep him out any further than Week 8. If he does sit in Week 9, Anthony Miller is worth flexing in most formats, and even Josh Bellamy gets a boost. On to the next game. Ravens at the Panthers. Ravens lost this one 21-36. Joe Flacco had 192 yards, one touchdown, and two interception. He and the Ravens were as anemic as ever against a solid, but you know, not invincible Panthers defense. Ravens are only four and four, so Flacco's job isn't yet on the line. But it makes sense for the Ravens to include more packages for Lamar Jackson 
and their game plans. Right now, John Brown is the only Ravens pass catcher I'm bothering with. I guess you could hold on to Willie Sneed and Michael Crabtree in PPR formats. They have pretty good floors, but their ceilings are pretty low too. On the other side of the ball, DJ Moore had 129 yards, and he started for an injured Torrey Smith, who I'm not sure why he's starting in the first place. I haven't been sure why Smith has a starting job for the past several years. Pick up more where you can. He was my top receiver coming into the draft, and his arrow is pointing upward. On to the next game. Redskins at Giants. Redskins won this one 20-13. More middling offense for any Redskin other than Adrian Peters, who had 150 yards and two touchdowns. Looks like he'll continue to get that work, that kind of work as Chris Thompson is injured. Probably won't play this week. Alex Smith does just enough to keep the Saints, I mean the skins in the game, and nothing more. I guess Jordan Reed should be held on to just for his large share of the targets. But this is a startlingly unproductive passing offense, and I want no part of it. On the other side of the ball, Evan Ingram back in his first game since injuring himself. Five receptions, 25 yards, and a touchdown. He was third in targets with nine, sending Sterling Shepard back to fourth in the totem pole. Shepard still had seven looks, but Eli Manning is inefficient enough to not make that really matter. The Giants are tanking and would do well to see what they have in rookie quarterback Kyle Lalletta coming out of their Week 9 bye. On to the next game, the Seahawks at the Lions. Seahawks won this one 28-14. Rashad Penny didn't record one single touch, while Chris Carson had 27 of them on on Sunday on the way to a 105-yard one-touchdown game. Mike Davis did have 11 touches, but only managed 35 yards. Carson is a strong running back, too. With upside, and Penny can be dropped outside of dynasty formats. David Moore, wide receiver, keeps piling up in Seattle box scores as one of Russell Wilson's primary end zone targets. He had four, he's had four touchdowns in three games. I say one of because Tyler Lockett has scored in every game this season except for week four. Doug Baldwin would have scored if he could have kept both of his feet in on an end zone catch. All Seattle receivers are in play this week against the Chargers and what should be a high-scoring affair. On the other side of the ball, Kenny Galladay has fallen off for the past two weeks with only three catches and 49 yards over that time. I do think the matchups are playing a role as Marvin Jones was in a slump before this game where he had seven catches for 117 yards and two touchdowns. But it just goes to show that Matt Stafford isn't playing well enough to support all three of his receivers every week. And or Kerryon Johnson is eating into their targets on a regular basis. On to the next game, the Colts at the Raiders. Colts won this one 42-28. I don't know where all these points came from. I don't care what anybody says. Though. Marlon Mack, who had 27 touches, 149 yards, and two touchdowns, is a running back one. Even with Naheem Hines in the mix. Hines had a good game, 85 yards on 13 touches, but that came against the Raiders. They have a bye week this week, but both backs should see heavy volume against the Jacksonville team that is much more susceptible to the run than the pass, although their their, um, pass defending has seemed to drop off in in recent weeks. 
Jack Doyle stepped back in after a five-game absence and put up 70 yards and a touchdown on six receptions. This was Eric Ebron's owner's worst nightmare come to life as Ebron only saved his day with a touchdown. The good news is that with a shallow slash inconsistent wide receiver core in Indy, both tight ends should retain considerable value going forward. But we may have seen the end of Eric Ebron's tight end one days. T.Y. Hilton, usually a wide receiver one, had only one reception for 34 yards. He may have some lingering effects from his recent hamstring injury, but it's more likely that his lackluster game was an artifact of the Colts' strategy in this one. They ran the ball 41, 40 times to 31 passes. Unfortunately for Hilton, the Colts may take a similar approach in Week 10 against the Jags. On the other side of the ball, if you are wondering whether it would be Jordy Nelson or Martavis Bryant who would lead the Raiders in receiving in Week 9, then you were wrong on all accounts. Both were complete garbage on Sunday. Jared Cook, Seth Roberts, and Brandon LaFell all scored instead, making Cook the only non-running back you can come close to counting on in Oakland right now. Both Doug Martin and Jalen Richard were productive without Marshawn Lynch in the mix. Martin had 15 touches for 89 yards, and Richard or Richard had 10 touches for 64 yards. They're both viable flex options moving forward as their passing game in Oakland leaves much to be desired. Moving on to the next game, 49ers at Cardinals. 49ers lost this one, 15-18. I said last week that this would be a winnable matchup for the Cardinals, and they did just that. Matt Breida for the 49ers, 42 yards. He outtouched Alfred Morris and Raheem Mostert, 16-6 to six and to 2. Breida was limited going in, so his usage was a surprise. Even on a short week, though, Breida remains a top option in the 49ers' backfield. Second-year undrafted free agent Kendrick Bourne paced all 49 49ers receivers with seven receptions for 71 yards on Sunday. Normally, this wouldn't be very intriguing info, but there are trade rumors around Pierre Garçon, so it's possible Bourne could move into a starting role overnight, literally. On the other side of the ball, the Cardinals didn't turn into the Rams over the weekend, but they did move the ball markedly better with Byron Leftwich at the offensive coordinator helm. Larry Fitzgerald had his best game of the season. Eight receptions, 102 yards, and one touchdown, and needs to be picked up ASAP if he's been dropped in your league. On to the next game, the Packers at the Rams. Marquez Valdez-Scantling remained an integral part of the Packers' offense. He had two receptions for 45 yards and a touchdown, even after Randall Cobb and Geronimo Allison returned from injury. He and Allison were on the field about the same amount of time, yet he out-targeted Allison 5-1. to one. He's definitely a hold, even though it's going to be a game in musical chairs behind Devontae Adams in Green Bay. On the other side of the ball, business as usual for the Rams, though Josh Reynolds did get two touchdowns, three receptions, 42 yards, so much better than last week, probably right after you drop him. Cup, Cooper Cup, was making good progress before he was deemed inactive in Week 8, so I'm not counting on Reynolds to make another start. That being the case, he should probably be picked up or held on to until we know for sure what Cup's status is as the Rams face the Saints this week and what is likely to be a shootout. 
into the Sunday night game, the Saints at the Vikings. Saints won this one 30-20. Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara split carries evenly at 13, but Kamara was more involved in the passing game, garnering eight targets to Ingram's three and scoring two touchdowns. They'll continue to share the backfield close to evenly, but the Saints' offense is productive enough to support them both. Traquan Smith, three receptions, 18 yards. Didn't have much of a game, but he was third in targets behind Kamara and Michael Thomas. He had four. Kamara had eight. Thomas had six. Smith should have a much better week nine against the Rams as an upside flex. On the other side of the ball, Dalvin Cook is expected to sit out through the week 10 bye. So keep firing out Latavius Murray, who's even started to add value in the passing game. Murray should retain a role even when Dalvin Cook returns, so a trade is not the only reasonable possibility for Murray in fantasy. As far as the rest of the, as far as the, rest of the Vikings offense in this one, it was business as usual. A lot of points for Thielen, who actually broke a record for most 100-yard games to start a season. And Diggs had a great game as well. Kyle Rudolph. He had a pretty solid game, too. Anyways, that's all I have for you right now, folks. Hopefully some trades come through by the end of the day tomorrow. Things can get shaken up. Things can get exciting. We can make some moves on the waivers before it happens, or after it happens, rather. Anyways, good luck going into week nine. This has been the Trash Man, and this has also been... The fantasy fallout for week eight going into week nine. See you, Roster Watch Nation. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.